0: There's a lot going on, isn't there? There are a lot of stresses on us. And those of you that listen to podcasts like this can often feel extra burdened. You've just gone through another day of your life being not perfect. Uh, You've gone through another day of your life having a past. There's an old hymn that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. It's great great old hymn. I've sung it many times. But I think that often we end up counting our failures, counting our errors, counting our weaknesses, taking stock not in what's in our hands and what, uh, what God has done, but rather in what we did and what we did wrong. And sadly, there is a chorus of people out there that will always remind you that you are imperfect, that you have done wrong, Maybe that you've hurt them and hurt them badly. Now maybe let's just assume they're telling the truth and that you've sinned, you've hurt people, you've hurt yourself. What are you going to do with that? Well, the first thing you should do is understand that this makes you normal. I too have hurt people. I'm not wanting to. Sometimes I did. i got to be honest. There are there some times that I was just a bad person and I wanted to hurt people. But most of the time, I thought I was doing right. Even some of the things I used to teach, uh, they hurt people. They broke up relationships because I thought that was my job, was to teach this extremely hardline Christianity that I had inherited. And I will go to my grave knowing that there are some people who will not trust God ever because of things I said and did years and years and years and years ago. Nothing I can do to fix that. Think of it this way. The story is told. That's another way of saying this didn't happen. It's just an illustration. The story is told of a man who went around destroying the reputation of another man in town. After a while, it got to him, his conscience dead, and so he went to the man who's reputation he had killed and said, I'm so terribly sorry. I want to make this right. What can I do? And the man said, stuff a pillowcase full of goose feathers and go up to the top of that mountain and release them and then come back here for one more job. So we went up to the top of the mountain. He didn't know why, but he, this is what the man wanted. And he shook out all the goose feathers, Then he came back down and said, anything, what do you need me to do? And the man said, go get them. Well, it's impossible. And that's the problem. When we have released evil into the system, when we have lied or cheated or broken promises or when we have misbehaved, whenever we've lost our temper, whatever we did, and there's usually not just one, is there? There are quite a few. You can't go get them back. You can't fix them we um we can do a lot we can learn we can change the human potential movement in psychology was just a massive thing thinking we could arrive at perfection and of course that didn't happen the movement itself splintered into many many pieces so what do you do if you're trying to be a good person but you look down at your life and you look at your body and you realize all the scars all the scars there most of them self-inflicted, at least they are for me. People have hurt me, there's no question about it. I've been hurt deeply many, many times, but most of my scars are self-inflicted. So what do I do with this? Especially knowing, that, as, as we all know, that our end is coming, and the end of the world eventually is coming, and whatever form God decides to do that, whether through melting everything away or through restoring it, uh, Whichever way. What do we do with our guilt? What do we do with our shame and the end of the world? Acts 3.19. No, Acts 3.19. Because Acts 3.19 talks about the Lord. And it's a quote actually from Isaiah. God's always been like this. That if you turn to him, and that that turning to him is repentance. It's, It's expressly stated there. It's not perfection. It's not in you never sin again. No, if you turn to him, he will blot out your sins. He will remember them no more. People who know Hebrew and know the original picture of that, that language was supposed to to bring up. And then, of course, in the Greek, it is repeated, say that that comes from a, a very thin pan of wax, just a very thin layer in there. You didn't have paper to practice your writing in your lessons. You'd have a stick, a sharp instrument of some sort, and you would write your lessons into the wax. And then the teacher, after making the corrections when you're ready to move on, would hold the pan over the fire and the wax would run together so that the wax could be reused and there is no record of what you had just written. And it is that phraseology that God chooses for your sins will be blotted out. So when he says, your sins and your iniquities, I will remember them no more. God, who can do anything, can also forget if he chooses. Think about that benefit. Now, on earth, there's still going to be consequences. On earth, we'll still have the scars and we'll still have the regrets. But the debt's been paid and the record has been changed. That's what I want to talk to you about next. There is nothing more complicated or mysterious in Scripture than, well, a lot. But one of the things is the end of the world. We so often want to know, all right, what happens? Then what happens? Then what happens? And I've seen it laid out as a progression. This happens, this happens, this happens. And sometimes they would put these three things are happening at the same time. The problem is we keep using the word time and time shall be no more is what the shout is, and Christ, who appears in the clouds, uh, he, the scripture says, "Every eye shall see him, well we live on a sphere, and that means put it all together. Physics is gone. There's not a this, then that. There's not a round, there's not a time. And so trying to bundle all of that is just it's frustrating. And God knows we're frustrated, but he didn't feel the need to give us any more information on it. Part of it, though that you might've gotten from a track or a sermon or a brochure or somewhere. I wanna address that part. Will God call your name? It seems that that's what is being said. Each of us will individually be called before God. And I've had people say, well, how much time would that take? Ah, time gotcha again. Time is just not an issue. Should we approach with trepidation and fear? No. In scripture, there are several pictures given us. Now, these are pictures given us. These are not promises of actual procedure. And so in other words, to help us understand just enough to dial the fear down, we're given some pictures. Peter is never standing in front of locked gates. That comes from misunderstanding of the keys of the kingdom thing back in Matthew. Instead, you are called before God and God... Doesn't ask us to give account for our life. The um, American sniper that uh, they made a movie about him. The, there, his there are books about him, and his life was cut short by a, a man with mental illness and a firearm. No matter what you think of all of this, I, I think of one phrase. I think of it often. Whenever somebody asked him what does he think about the men he's killed, and he said he is ready and willing to go before God and account for every bullet he sent downrange. Now, I don't want to get off into that, but I will, if I had been there, I would leaned over and said, that's not what's going to happen. Regardless of what you think about, and I need you to shove that aside now. The point is we don't give account there. This is not a trial. This is not you fighting for your life. This is you approaching the Father, Almighty God, love. So then what happens? Well, problem is you just said, so then. So we're back to physics again. There's no way to decide what is going on. But it seems that Jesus, uh, he says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. So some sort of transaction there is made where God says, you know them? And Jesus says, yes. Or they see the mark on you that it's, it's a metaphysical mark. There's no actual mark on your body that says, this one is mine. And it's just a, a way of saying, I've set this one apart for me. You look in the book of life, your name is written. All of these things are happening and spinning around, but there's something missing. When I was a little boy, Every so often, I would stumble upon a chick publication track. Now, these were little booklets, uh, just little booklets, cartoon style, that were over-the-top fundamentalist doctrine, but done in such a dramatic way that it really hooked your attention, especially if you're a little boy like me, racked with guilt, and if you were... Uh, somebody a truck driver driving through these things would be left behind on top of a toilet or they'd be left behind on a restaurant table somewhere and people picked them up and i can remember part of it is uh, part of that what happens when you die and this guy was a bad guy so every horrible thing was happening in this progression and one of them was him standing there with his head down as they showed a movie of his life and the evil that he had done let me help you here i don't endorse chick publications in any way, shape, or form, and I don't think you should either, but you draw your lines, there will be no movie of your life. There will be no long recounting of your sins. There will not even be the shaking of head and the look of disappointment. And here's why. You can't go gather those feathers back. You can't undo the evil that you put out there, it's too late. It's out there. We can live well, we can repent. We can turn our lives entirely around to where now we are good, we are Christian, we are solid behaving people, but it doesn't erase what happened. The only thing that can erase what happened is God when he blots them out and removes them from the record. Let me put it to you this way, if so, if you've repented, you've told God you're very sorry, you now accept Christ, you are following scripture the best you can, you're part of a faith community, if they showed a movie of your life, which they're not going to do, but if they showed a movie of your life, you would not recognize it because all the bad's been removed. Only good remains. Why? Because God did it. This is what God can do. This is what Jesus gave us that none of our own works can do. All of the guilt and shame, that's washed away. Our sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb, the scripture says. And it's supposed to be an odd, stark visual because blood stains, blood doesn't wash, but his blood removes the stains. So what he sees is not what we see when we look into the mirror. I'm at that age where when I look into the mirror, I see somebody that looks a lot younger than whenever I see one of these videos or a picture taken of me at some family event. I go, wow, that looks a lot older than I I look in the mirror. Well, it's because eyes lie. That's what they do. That's their job. But when God sees me, he doesn't see all of my scars. He doesn't see my self-inflicted issues. Oh, God's not an idiot. He knows that I'm still uh, still a sinner. He knows that I still err, make bad mistakes. But he also knows that he has forgiven me because I put on Christ in baptism. I'm I'm one of his kids. Whenever I... I'm around my grands, they're great. They're perfect. If I'm around your grands, they're okay. You get the point? Even if you love all people, your people are special and you view them through that hazy, wonderful, loving, close family lens. God looks at you. The scripture says those who have been baptized into Christ, have put on Jesus I like that. they put him on. So when my mother sees her great grandsons, she sees me and she sees her granddaughter and she sees her grandson and this she sees through the eyes of love and history forgiveness and grace and God said, You know that you fathers know how to love your children and give them good gifts, but you have got no idea how much more God loves you than any earthly father could ever love you. So those of you especially who've had unloving fathers need to know that. So what about your guilt? What about your shame? What about the end of the world? It's okay to be sad that you weren't perfect and sad that you ruined relationships that you could not fix. It's okay. But repent and know that the debt is paid, the record has been expunged. When the end of the world comes, or just the end of you, it won't be an end at all. And it won't be a thing of terror and sweat and shame before the throne of God. No, he rewrites history because only he can and he is love. Have a wonderful week. God bless.